Welcome back to the Fantasy Football, MD podcast. Uh, it's Saturday, October 5th. Um, we finished up Thursday Night Football a couple days ago, and we're, uh, we're getting ready for week five. Uh, we're a quarter way through the season and your fantasy football season. I'm Mitch. This is David. I think we start off, we should look at how we did with our first recap of our first podcast. I think we should go back to that topic where we talked about those question marks and those trouble players. And honestly, I think we should talk about the one that I think we're most proud of, A.B. I think we were a little right on that one, Mitch. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the conclusion was uh, he was a psycho and, and to stay away from him. Exactly. Sadly, I don't think a lot of people did that. Uh, every draft I was in, he went in the second round. What about you, Mitch? Yeah, in, in my work league, and my personal league, uh, there was the idiot who, uh, who, took, him, who took him in the second round. And uh, I think on our uh, free agent waiver wire people keep picking him up and I keep laughing that they're using a move because um, I don't think he's going to play again this season but I don't don't think he's going to play again ever if the Patriots cut you it's a bad sign it's it's awful he looked electric in his first game but it's never it was never about how he looks on the field Uh, whoever had him and drafted him in the second round was probably feeling like oh great we got a steal and then all those reports came out and that was even post uh, foot Helmet, uh, Raiders calling Mayock a cracker, but uh, yeah, I think AB's a psycho. Um, to, want to talk about other players that we said um, you didn't really hit on Melvin Gordon there. You, you thought he was going to be traded. There's still time. He could get traded. It can happen. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> week five. If you're not caught up in the news, uh, Melvin Gordon is uh, starting on Sunday tomorrow, and he will be splitting carries. And uh, as a Melvin Gordon fantasy owner, taking my own advice, I'm pretty pumped up just the way Austin Eckler looks. Uh, the Chargers RB is an RB1 well, whoever starts. Yeah, with that said, though, it's not like Melvin Gordon. The main point that we made, though, is Melvin Gordon wasn't a first-round or second-round back. You had to wait on Melvin Gordon to go take him. If you waited, you're probably going to get good things, hoping he stays healthy, knock on wood. Uh, knock on wood if you're with me. But, I mean, you have to kind of just... In that situation with the Chargers running back, play it safe, which is our main point. And if you did that with Melvin Gordon, if you did that by picking Austin Eckler in these first three or four weeks, you've probably been okay. Yeah, there's a good chance you're, if you had Eckler, you're three and one. Um, and if you didn't have good players behind Melvin Gordon like me, you're one and three, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, like we said, we're both homers for Todd Gurley a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm kind of mixed on Gurley. If you used... Maybe a third or fourth, which we I think we said don't use a first round pick. Um, what's he averaging? Like fifteen points a week? About. Uh, I've got him on one of my teams. I looked up his numbers for the half point PPR leagues as well. He is right now his average draft position was in the second round. If you look at his production, he's about twelve to fifteen points a game. But the sad thing about Todd Gurley is he's becoming a touchdown dependent running back, which I mean it's a good number two back on your team. But where you draft them in that second round slot, you're looking for a guy to be either your number one back. Or you're looking for that superstar tandem with the number one running back in the first round. And you don't have that. You've got a solid tandem. He's still a good fancy back, but he's sadly more dependent on his offensive line and opening up holes in touchdown situations than he is his actual play. Which is sadly a down turn for freaking Todd Gurley. Yeah, for I would say the last <clears throat> three or four years, you were hoping Gurley puts up 150 yards, five catches, two touchdowns. Now if you see... 
two to three catches, 50, 60 yards, and a touchdown. You're you're pretty happy with it, which is sad to see because mm-hmm. there's still the mystery behind it. Is it his knee? Is it how McVay is using him? You don't know, but I would. Uh, I hope you have Mal- Malcolm Brown out there because <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make it the, the whole season. Um, I think we were we were mixed on Zeke. I think I was right on Zeke, if I remember correctly. I told okay. you to draft him. You don't have to rub it in. I, I told you to draft him. I said he'll be there week one. He was. I said he's still going to be worth that first round pick. Just maybe not that top five pick. But he's been worth it. He's been killing it. And I think the good thing with Zeke is he's going to get better as the year goes on. It's going to be a similar situation to Le'Veon Bell the year before he held out. Where he's played week one. Was only okay. But as the season getting back... You remember he's Le'Veon Bell. He's the type of guy who's gonna be able to put up points and put up production. And now they signed the contract. Oh man, man, mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't disagree more. Just because like you get your you finally get your money. Six years, ninety million. I think it's a matter of time before Zeke's motivation goes down. I think the Cowboys have already peaked. I mean, they get off to the hot start, three and zero. But it's really like who have you played? You you, you your stats are diluted because you get to play the Dolphins. Um, Don't forget the Giants and Redskins in there as well. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I think actually now the Giants kind of look good with Danny Dimes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know with Zeke. I think if you draft him in the first round, you feel good. Um, going forward, I don't know if you're going to, like we talked about Gurley, I don't know if you're going to get the 150 yards and two touchdowns. So if you're looking to sell high, um, which we always talk about, sell high, buy low. Um, I mean, maybe see what you can get for Zeke for someone desperate who doesn't have an RB1. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about our overall feelings four weeks into the season. Kind of um, when your team is bad, life sucks. When your team is great, the, the grass is... I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> Going into last week, I felt decent about my fantasy teams. I felt good. Uh, I had a couple 2-1 teams. I had one 1-2 and two team, but I had some 3-0 teams. I felt like I was on top of the world. Last week might have been the worst fantasy week of my life. Add that into the fact that the Falcons looked atrocious. I had nowhere to go to look for fantasy football fun or football fun at all on NFL Sunday. Yeah, this isn't the podcast to listen to if you want a positivity about the Atlanta Falcons. I think uh, to get off on a tangent, they spend way too much money on people who lost them the Super Bowl and we're still thinking we're in that window of we're going to make it back to the Super Bowl. We're going to be awesome. Deion Jones... Keanu Neal, Devontae Freeman, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. DQ's got to get DQ'd. He's got to go. <laughs> you can only ignore your defensive line so much. You build your football teams through your defensive line, through your offensive lines, and DQ's kind of missed the mark on that. On his own side of the ball, he finally figured it out on the offensive side to try to address the offensive line, signing two guards in the offseason, bringing in two high picks for the offensive line, but it's your own side of the ball, man. Use it. Use your knowledge and use what you have. Be able to build it. Let's not let's not get David Ugh. fired up. But I think you can make a comparison: <laughs> a one and three Falcons team who has a lot of talent, but they just can't put it together, and they don't have good, in my opinion, coaching. Um, it's like your fantasy team if you're one and three or you're zero oh and four right now. Do you have good players, but you're not? You don't have a good flex. You're not picking up the right defense. Your kicker sucks. It's like you can have a bunch of studs on your team. But if you're not if you're putting up eighty five to hundred points, you're probably gonna be one and three. Mm-hmm. And it also comes down to are you making the right decision? And that's the toughest thing going into the first quarter of a season. In my opinion, you don't know anything about your NFL fantasy football team or the NFL at the until at least the earliest four weeks into the season. 
You don't get it. You don't know it because so many things are different from year to year. If you came into this year thinking that Lamar Jackson was only going to run the ball and was only going to be a 20-carry type guy quarterback, you were proven wrong a little bit in these first four weeks. He's been a fantasy stud. Things change, and you have to use these first four weeks as a learning period. So d- that brings us to if you're one and three, or if you're zero oh and four, is it panic time? No, it is not panic time, Mitch. One and three, zero oh and four. To use the famous words of Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X, relax. Famous letters. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to. Everything can still be okay. Most fantasy football seasons are twelve to thirteen weeks. Most leagues have six to eight playoff teams. Now, if you're in a four-team playoff. Fantasy Football League, it might be a little bit time to panic, but if you're in those 6-18 to 18 leagues that go to the playoffs, you can come back from this. There's plenty of time for you to fix the situation. If you're in a 14 playoff league, then you probably shouldn't be doing fantasy football, or you just need to get some more friends. Exactly. <laughs> um, I couldn't... Man, you're just so freaking wrong on this. I, I am panicking. <laughs> I am panicking big time. I, uh, I think I have the worst team besides you. I'm 1-3. I've used my waiver wire. I've used the most moves in the league, and we have to pay for moves after 25. It is it is panic time. It's try it's time to propose trades. Not um, don't give a crap about where you drafted people. Even though I took Michael Thomas in the first round, 12 overall, it's like I don't know when Drew Brees is coming back. If someone needs a wide receiver one, I don't even think he's a wide receiver one anymore. I need two starters. I told myself not to draft Dolphins. I took Balage and Kenyon Drake. I didn't listen to my own advice. The Dolphins are worse than I thought they would. You don't know Kenyon Drake could get traded. I, I believe I, everybody still has a possibility to get traded. Let's not throw everything out of there. There's there's your relaxed optimism, but I I I think it's I think it's panic time. You gotta trade waiver wire and start praying for people to have injuries. Now, just because I said it's not. Panic time doesn't mean you're not supposed to act. You're supposed to act, but you're supposed to learn things in these first four weeks. Learn what players you should be playing. Learn what players you shouldn't be playing. Learn the trends and then make your moves off of it. A couple things that I think are pretty interesting that you would think about, especially for quarterbacks and running backs in the league, you normally get a sense of your top ten players in the first four weeks. Last year, the top ten players in the first four weeks, there was only one player, actually, sorry, three players who changed their spots in the quarterbacks and the running back positions. The wide receivers, five players. You can learn trends, you can find things out there, and you can see where you need to go and where you need to make your changes at. And I think not listening to our podcast will help you out, but um, listening to the experts, ESPN, Yahoo, kind of seeing their ratings, seeing their trends. Um, what's your take on that? ESPN. I think if you're going to go one versus the other in those two categories, ESPN is the better way to go. You get good player takes from ESPN. They give you good football knowledge, good football sense of where you should go and what the next direction you should take with certain players on an overall basis and on a weekly basis. I mean, they're both shitty. I, I looked at their <laughs> pre-draft rankings, and that's why I'm in the the mess that I'm in. I'm going to blame them. I'm not going to take any accountability, just like a typical millennial. Um, I would, out of the ESPN or Yahoo, I mean, there's a million out there. There's, there's Bleacher Report. There's searching the internet for... Roto or whatever, um, but don't forget fancy pros. Fancy pros, but um, I'll take Yahoo on this just because Yahoo's where our league's been for the last ten years. Um, but I mean, it's hard to trust either of them because you're looking at your flex or your wide receiver three or your RB two, and you go with their decision, 
and it cost me 10 points, and instead of being 1-3, and three, I could have been 3-1. and one. That's fair. But I'll give you this, though, for the other sites. When you're looking for different fantasy data and different ways of looking for things, Googling the internet is always going to be the winner. There's always different websites that are always going to be able to give you those fancy points and that stuff. The reason why I'll defend ESPN, though, why I really like that they did this year, they're giving you a source for articles. ESPN's new Watson thing gives you an article source that you can get to individual articles for local websites, local team sites, to give you good reviews on what the people are saying about your players. And that's where you're really going to find out about things. Now, yes, do some coaches bullshit you all the time? Yes, but... Like if you started Melvin Gordon last week when you didn't know how many carries he was going to get. Especially after Justin Jackson went out on Friday. Exactly. That saved me in one league, though. Justin Jackson sat, and then uh, I had Wayne Gallman on the bench. I just picked him up. I was debating using him. Pretty solid week. Use Wayne Gallman while uh, Saquon's out. Exactly. If you don't know that, please do that. But, of course, he might not be – he could be playing back tomorrow since, I mean, he did take his trip to Wakanda to be able to recover. (laughs) Yeah, he's looking good. That (laughs) Man, he's a freaking stud. And with Danny Dimes – I think Saquon, I think the Giants are getting off topic on the ESPN versus Yahoo, but um, if you do look at the rankings, Evan Ingram is a top tight end, and I thought that going into the draft, and I took Ertz, who hasn't really scored a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So if you have Evan Ingram, if you have Danny Dimes as maybe a QB2, he could, if the Giants are trailing because their defense still sucks, he could be a QB1 top 10 play. Saquon's going to be awesome. Wayne Gallman. Um, I think Sterling Shepard had a pretty solid game in his first game back. They're getting Golden Tate back. I mean, the Giants... Offensively, from a fantasy <laughs> standpoint, they could be a team to be reckoned with. I don't disagree with that. Golden Tate coming back this week, I think, is going to make things interesting. But still, to me, I, I mentioned him earlier, I think the bigger shock from a fantasy standpoint is Lamar Jackson. Yeah, let's talk about like the breakout studs we've seen. So for me... Um, Evan Ingram, obviously, and just because he was pre-ranked tight end six or seven doesn't mean you can't be a breakout Sudby. Right behind Kelsey, like, if you have Evan Ingram, I feel better about Ingram than George Kittle and Zach Ertz, to be honest right now. I think Ingram is just solid. He's got the athletic ability. I just My thing with Evan Ingram is, do you think he's going to consistently put it up? Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, they will eventually trend backwards towards their old numbers. They've shown it over the years, especially Ertz and Kelsey. I think Kittle, you can make the argument it's a little bit more of a one-year guy, are you really sure? But Ertz and Kelsey have always been there for you. They're the type of guys who will always come back for you. Well, I mean, you we're just going off four weeks of data like Scary Terry. What do you think about the Washington wide receiver one? You don't know who your quarterback's going to be in a week. Jay Gruden doesn't even know his quarterback's going to be a week. He's too busy smoking weed and hitting on 21-year-olds. I don't think Jay Gruden knows if he's going to be the coach of the NFL <laughs> next week. Um, well, who who do you love? I mean, one guy sticks out to me. I'm, I'm obsessed with Keenan Allen. Oh, Keenan Allen. That charges often. Well, Mike Williams being hurt helps. Hunter Henry being hurt helps. That offense always seems like it's going to be throwing the ball. I told you before the year started, I like Phil Rivers as a late-round quarterback if you're looking for him. But honestly, I mean, I go back to Lamar. I go back to the Ravens because I think they're going to put up points. Because I also think their defense isn't the same then as it used to be. So I think that they're going to be in more scoring affairs against the better teams that they play. Mark Ingram's another guy I also love in that scenario. He's been a great late-round running back find. But honestly, the sad thing to me is when I think about this first recap, I think of the players who haven't been there for me and the players who haven't been there and playing well at all. And the first one that comes to mind is Aaron Rodgers. Three out of four weeks, he has been a bad fantasy quarterback. This fourth week when he played great, they lost. The three weeks were bad, they won. It makes me a little bit nervous they're going to focus on running the ball a lot more. As an Aaron Rodgers owner in a couple leagues and – as that's the quarterback of my girlfriend in all of her leagues, it makes me nervous. 
shout out to David's girlfriend. That's the a, weekly shout out. Weekly <laughs> shout out. Sorry, quarterly Quarter, shout out. Quarterly <laughs> shout out. Um, I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of like we... Did you predict the next Patrick Mahomes being Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott? If you have both on your team, are you... Uh, if you have Mahomes and Dak, are you trading Dak for a starter? When we were talking about these breakout studs, it's like if you own them, do you believe in them the rest of the season or should you sell high? Should you sell Mark Ingram for two starters? Should you sell your backup quarterback who's better than Aaron Rodgers for a starter? Another guy we haven't touched on who looks like the best running back in the league above Saquon, above Zeke, uh, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has looked electric. Every time he touches the ball, you think there's an 80-yard touchdown run coming. Vikings are a mess. Yeah, but Dalvin Cook, well, the one thing that they have in common, the one thing that they do know that they're doing well is they will run the ball, which those Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs owners are probably pissed off about. If you're Stephon Diggs owner, you're hoping the Patriots trade rumors are true because at this point, they don't look like they're ever going to throw the ball. Kirk Cousins looks like the guy who missed his baby... Not in baby naming, but when the baby gender reveal, when he missed the target and then the balloon exploded on the ground. Yeah. He's looking like that quarterback, not the guy who's asking you if you like that. I can't even argue that Kirk Cousins is good because when your average attempt is five yards down the field and you pay so much to Thielen, who is proven he's awesome, Diggs, who is also awesome, Kyle Rudolph is a fine tight end. Not to mention they drafted Irv Smith Jr. in the second round. You've got targets there. And Dalvin Cook, if they're running the ball well, there's no excuse for you not to be able to play defense. action. The, the, the Bears put up 16 points against them, and the Vikings barely get six. Like, make some changes. $90 million guaranteed. Um, if you have Kirk Cousins on your fantasy team, then you something is seriously wrong with you. I would rather have Blake Bortles in the boat. <laughs> Um, but that's just... If you have Kirk Cousins on your fantasy team, you need to give your fantasy team a little snip-snip and cut-cut and get him the hell out of there. That's just the truth of it. But, uh, I mean, other guys, you mentioned Dalvin Cook looking good. A couple other guys that I really like. Nick Chubb, I think, has looked pretty good, pretty consistent. A lot of people had him going in that late first, early second round range, so it shouldn't be a surprise, but for a team that's not doing well... I think Nick Chubb has run really well for them. Yeah, we talked about panic versus relax with your fantasy team. Do the same with NFL teams. Obviously, Dave and I are both panicking on the Falcons for good reason. But mm-hmm. for the Browns, relax. They they lost 20-13 to 13 versus the Rams. They could have beat them. OBJ is going to get his. Jarvis Landry just had a breakout game. Baker's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chubb's been the Chubb, – Chubb and the defense have been – the shining spots for the Browns. They don't give up on all those. It's tough because with people with Baker, people forget that this is only his second year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. People are going to learn. They're going to adjust. This is going to be a big step for him if he's going to be able to take that next leap. But everybody going into this offseason with the assumption of OBJ coming in just assumed he's going to take the next leap. He's going to be that next guy. And the funny thing is it's been Lamar Jackson who's taken a little bit more of that next leap from a passing standpoint or at least from a fancy production standpoint. Yeah, the the game um, Ravens versus Chiefs, if you got a chance to watch that, you kind of saw the future of the AFC in 10 years when Brady finally retires. Um, Lamar Jackson... You said 10 years or 40 years? (laughs) Yeah, 40 years. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think we said in our last episode, it's like draft players on good teams like the Chiefs and stay away from the Dolphins, which I didn't follow my own advice. But if you have any running backs on the Chiefs, 
Mahomes, any of the wide receivers, Demarcus Robinson, my boy McCole Hardman. <laughs> if you have Tyreek Hill, do not trade him. He's going to come back. He's going to plug right into a wide receiver one. Obviously, we touched on Kelsey. Um, their defense, they picked up a few pieces, but they're still not very good. They're on Sunday night primetime football. Um, if you feel good about having Chiefs on your team. like I, I think I'd rather have the old Chiefs offense over my fantasy team. Um, that's one thing I've seen from a couple teams this year, and I saw people do it last year with the Rams players, just having multiple Chiefs, having multiple strong offensive players on their team. It's a great thing until those one weeks where it doesn't work out. The good example that I remember last year was I had a friend who had Goff, Gurley, Woods, and even had, at the time, it was Reynolds, the third receiver for the Rams that he would play when Cup was out. And he was doing great. He finished first in the regular season. And then week 14, which is the first week of most average fantasy seasons, the Rams played the Bears. If you don't remember what happened, the Rams crapped the bed that game. The Bears shut them down. And he was out in the first round of his fantasy playoffs. It's all great until it's not. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you have the Bears defense, you got to feel good too. I do want to touch on one of our breakout players that um, we didn't talk about uncertainty about this kind of injury last year, but... Cooper Cup, McVay's obsessed with him. He's coming off a torn ACL. Uh, if he's your wide receiver too, you are feeling on top of the world. Oh, Cooper Cup's been killing it. They love him, especially in those half point PPR and PPR leagues. He's getting a lot of the targets. They're using Cooks for the deep downward game, and they're using Robert Woods for a little more intermediate to deep. Yeah, routes. fifteen yards. Yeah, but Coop is Cooper's used all within the first down, all one to ten. He's getting used like Wes Welker was used, like Edelman is used. But scoring touchdowns. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> he's quicker and bigger and more athletic than those guys. Yeah, Cup's a stud. As bad, as low as he's I am. He's got to stay healthy. Yeah. He, he, when we watched the Thursday night game, he kind of limped off a couple times. And whenever you're coming off an ACL surgery, I don't know if we have any friends who have had an ACL surgery or broken We leg. might have a couple. <laughs> um, Cup's a stud. But yeah, those are kind of the breakout players so far. And obviously, halfway point, we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about players we haven't talked about right now, and that's kind of why the waiver wire is so important, because you don't know that next stud. Like David said, you have your top 10 wide receivers. Four weeks are going to go by. Are you going to be 5-3? and three? Are you going to be 4-4? Four and four? Are you going to be 1-7? and seven? Because you were too lazy and gave up on your team too early to identify those stud receivers. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about the positive guys. I think we got to talk about the negative ones, too. And the first neg- I mean, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers. But another negative in my book, he's probably a first-two-round pick in a lot of drafts, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's looked really bad these first two. They can't open him up holes to save his life. Yeah, the, the Bengals' first game against the Seahawks, I was very optimistic. But I think if you really look at look at the tape, it was just some lucky passes to mm-hmm. John Ross, um, who was a fantasy waiver-wire popular pickup, and I think he just landed on IR. He did. We so need A.J. Green to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bengals are a mess. Dalton's done. They, they can't open them holes. They can't. Mixon still looks like an athletic back, but they just really cannot open up holes into that running game. The Bengals look like they're in trouble. Yeah, when you're watching uh, college football today and you're looking at the top quarterbacks, Tua, Fromm, Herbert, um, all the studs, maybe our boy uh, Easton at Washington, just imagine some, uh, some Bengals stripes on them because mm-hmm. that is coming. You basically should at this point. And you should be also looking for Andy Dalton to see what next team he'll be on. Maybe the Jaguars are again will go with another new quarterback and they'll go from uh, Mr. Nick Foles to Andy Dalton. Of course, they do have Gardner. They've got Minshew. So. I would be ecstatic about Dalton as a nice backup quarterback. 
I think he'd bring a lot of depth to somebody. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's talk about, um, uh, yeah, obviously Joe Mixon sucks. I, I did want to talk about, we talked about cup and, uh, injury impact and staying away from him cause an ACL, but there's so many big quarterback injuries that do affect your team. Um, I'm thinking about the, the Steelers and the saints, although the saints are winning, they're winning ugly defensive touchdowns, field possession. Um, I don't think Kamara's putting up top three fantasy player numbers, I mean, you got McCaffrey out there, so... Oh, man, he's killing it. McCaffrey's killing it. But Kamara, I mean, I disagree with you on Kamara, though. Kamara has played well for his situation. Having freaking Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback is not going to help anybody from a fantasy standpoint. But he's still putting up enough to keep you afloat in those situations. So what's your take? Like, um, like I talked about Michael Thomas or Juju or James Conner, all people that were picked in the top 20 that are severely affected by a backup quarterback. Well, they're two different flips, though. For the Saints, you can be patient with Michael Thomas. You can be patient with Kamara. Yes, Michael Thomas's value is going to go down these next couple weeks, but he's going to be fine in the long run. Drew Brees is coming back. As long as he's not hitting people in their helmets with his injured thumb, he'll be fine. It looks like he's working like a maniac to get back soon, like Saquon. I don't know if Brees went to Wakanda with him. I don't know. I don't, so I mean, hold he kind of looks like Captain America. Maybe <laughs> yeah. they thought, you know, it's just like an okay thing just to sneak him through. So are you a Saints fan now that the Falcons suck? Hell no. I will never be a freaking a fucking Saints fan. But a will, oh, watch the language. Sorry, this sorry. is family friendly. Um, so hold on Kamara, hold on Thomas, but going to the Steelers, what about Juju, Vance oh, McDonald, Sell? Sell. Sell, um, especially James Conner. Not because I don't think that they, he's going to be able to run the ball well, but I think that they've been mixing in Jalen Samuels a lot there. That makes me a little bit nervous as a guy who wants Connor to be your number one back. I feel like he's limping off every game, too. <laughs> and then, also, you got Benny Snell. Snell, yeah, in the back though as well. <laughs> yeah. Eventually going to come there and I think maybe take some carries. But for Juju, I think I would sell. I think he's going to be have a solid fantasy season, but not for where you picked him. He's going to be the type of guy who, if you had him as a wide receiver, too, you'd be happy about what you got. But as a wide receiver, one, it's just... It's going to be all coming in bunches, big plays basically out of Mason Rudolph whenever they get them. It's not going to be the type of 10 catches, 120-yard type games. This should show the psychos like Antonio Brown how they want to feud with Big Ben and hate Big Ben and talk shit and try to get – well, sorry about the language – and want to get out of the Steelers. But without Big Ben, Antonio Brown – Maybe doesn't make his money. We don't know because the only other quarterback he's played with is Tom Brady. But whenever the for Steelers, one game against the Dolphins, we're yeah. probably gonna go in sixteen. <laughs> yeah. So these you gotta see the impact when your when your quarterback goes down. It's like if Matt Ryan went down, how good is Julio? If um, <laughs> Scary Terry on the Redskins is defined. I mean, you, you, do, you literally don't have a quarterback for the Redskins. That's actually the more impressive thing is that with Case Keenum in these first three or four weeks, he's played pretty well. But also, to what Mitch said... I think Case Keenum has played, like, absolute... No, no, Case Keenum has played bad, but Scary Terry has played bad. Oh, Scary Terry. Scary Terry has played well. Case Keenum is absolute dog shit. But, you know, it comes back to this. It's not even just about the star quarterbacks and their wide receivers. Even the bad quarterbacks, it's who they have a rapport with. It's who they're going to work with. It's who they're going to throw with. That's the key thing. And that's the trends that you can find out in these first four weeks of the season. And you can figure it out and that stuff. So one of the things I've really struggled with is because even though teams are 1-3 and three and 0-4, I feel like it comes down to one big decision every week. And we talked about the ESPN, the Yahoo experts, going with your heart, going versus your head, looking at the injury impact. Would you rather have a team where you have four or five wide receivers that are each going to put up 
8 to 12 points. And every week you're deciding, who do I put in my flex? So I put in a tight end. Do I pick up this guy? Would you rather have the depth or would you have um, a short bench where you don't, the decision is taken out of you? Would you rather trade that depth right now? See, I, I would rather have the depth. To me, it's all about the depth because you can make the decision. And eventually, if you want to, you can trade those players. But the depth will give you help during the bye weeks. The depth will make it easier to make your decisions. You can play matchups. You can just do so much more with depth. Versus in your other scenario, you are kind of stuck with a lineup and that you're hoping that they are consistent for 12 to 13 weeks. And consistency just doesn't happen as much in the NFL. See, we're 30 minutes into this second podcast, and I haven't even talked about my team from last year. That's, <laughs> that, that's an achievement in itself. Well, we heard the feedback, so I'm glad that you're listening to it. <laughs> um, but basically, last year, like these decisions were taken away from me because my team was just so stud heavy. And in the first week, I, my flex guy got me two points, and then one point, and then point one, and then negative three. So like, I want to trade away my shitty depth for and take the decision out of it. David kind of wants to control his own fate, and I just want to plug and play and not second-guess myself. And I think you also have to look at it this way. You had a, and Now I'm talking about your fancy teams. But I mean, you had a great team last year. If anybody had a team that included, and uh, this is unrealistic, but if it was at a team of Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously I would take that and have, I don't care who I'd have on the That's bench. That's the four-team league that we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, players. if you have that, I'd rather take that than anything else. But to me, it's more about you got a couple stars, but your second running back and your second wide receiver, it's like you said, they're all putting about similar points. You've got to make the decision each week versus having guys where you've got good second guys, but your other guys are just like, eh, and maybe you can play them in the matchup, but you know who you're starting every week. I, I need the depth. I need to be the flexibility to make a decision. Yeah, these, if, if, and that's what brings back to panic time one and three and oh and four. We haven't really even touched the buys when you have your stud that's out and you got to pick up players. So that's and maybe you, that's why you can say relax one and three and zero oh and four because maybe you do have the depth where you put up one hundred and fifteen points where you take someone's stud out of it and they put up ninety five points. Mm-hmm. Like Devontae Adams, for example, he just went down. Mm-hmm. I went out there and picked up Geronimo, Geronimo Allison. You gotta, it's. There's going to be a lot of injuries. We saw in the first four weeks of the season, so many studs are out already. Some for the season, some for an extended period of time. I feel like I see IR every day. Um, all like A lot of top three picks, and a lot of stars are going to be coming back, like A.J. Green, mm-hmm. Saquon. So, I mean, it, it's a long season. Not to mention also with depth. It's like Mitch said. You can trade that depth also. If you're in the panic mode, if you're different than me, now I think you shouldn't be. I think you should just take a deep breath. But if you are and you want to go get rid of and go get a star where you think can get you more points and just kind of add to your team, depth gives you that. If you have an obvious team like that, those trades become really risky. So with that said, let's go and end the show with our takeaways from the first four weeks, our big takeaways, and some predictions for the next four weeks from an NFL and fantasy standpoint. Mitch, I'll let you start it off. Um, my fantasy takeaway um, is that RB1s and the RBs that you start – for the most part, need to be pass catching in today's NFL. I was very high on Chris Carson as my RB1 in both of my leagues, which also diversify your portfolio and don't draft the same players for both teams or both teams are going to suck. But um, 
yeah, you you got to have the pass catchers. You're not always going to have the Saquons and the Christian McCaffreys and the Alvin Kamaras, but the pass catching RB is huge. So along that line, interesting point because it brings me up to Josh Jacobs. Guys are doing well these first couple weeks, but he's produced well, but he's not catching the ball a lot and he's not putting up consistent numbers. So a little bit along that line, my takeaway from fan standpoint, this is not the year for rookie running backs. Mm-hmm. Every year there's normally two or three guys who kind of step up, who make big plays, who make big jumps. You look at the guys who everyone was talking about this offseason, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, not much there. There's really nothing that's coming out, and there's no surprises like a, no Philip Lindsay's out there that are coming out of the woodworks. Not yet, but maybe it's the year for um, rookie QBs. You got Gardner Minshew and Danny Dimes. Oh, man. If I'm depending on Gardner Minshew or Danny Dimes, my fancy teams, kill me now. <laughs> well, what's your NFL takeaway for the last four weeks? My NFL takeaway, and this just so pains me to say, but I think the Aints are the team of the NFC. Team of the NFL. Best team in the world. No. In the NFL. No, no. Super Bowl I'll give you the NFC, but they are not the team of the NFL. But they, they've looked impressive. Since Breeze has gone down, they've gone 2-0. and And even in the game when Breeze went down, they played the Rams tough. They look like a lot better team. I knew they'd be a good team. Touchdown call back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I knew they'd be a good team. I thought they would be solid. I did not think without Breeze they would be this good. You didn't it, think they it, could it go hurts. into Seattle and beat them? No. And they beat the crap out of them. And then they, honestly, they shut down Dallas for the most part as well, which I should have seen coming. But it, it just, it's frustrating to see that they look like the team in the NFC. Maybe the Packers will be able to put it together to beat them. It always normally takes a guy who can complete third downs against them to really finish off the Aints, but I do not like the look of how the Aints look. I freaking love it. Um, I'll always be loyal to Alvin Kamara. That's <laughs> my guy. Um, NFL takeaway for the first four weeks is kind of um, it's kind of sad, nostalgic, also happy. Uh, the changing of the guard of the QB in the NFL with Big Ben and Eli gone. Um, it seems like it's kind of the end of the road close to the end of the road for maybe Breeze and Rivers and then Ryan's on the way. Um, but optimistic about the future young QBs. Uh, Lamar, like we mentioned many times, Mahomes, Goff, Wentz, Dak. Um, and then watching college football, I'm excited. Tua, Fromm, uh, a couple years, Trevor Lawrence. <coughs> These, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Uh, Jake Beeson. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch the QBs. It seems like these 18 and 19-year-old kids are more ready than ever before, and they're about to storm the league. What's your NFL takeaway for the next four weeks, though, as we look into the future? Uh, prediction is that Chiefs and Pats pull away. Uh, I think they're going to be undefeated when they meet each other <clears throat> later in the season. I think they're both awesome. <clears throat> um in the in the NFC, we touched about the Aints being the best right now. I really think the Eagles are going to step up. It impressed me that they beat the Packers. They've been hit with the injury bug. Um, they should have Deshaun Jackson coming back. Alshon Jeffrey every week gets a little healthier. If Nelson Aguilar could catch the freaking ball, you know Ertz is going to eventually catch some touchdowns. I like their defense. So I really think the Eagles are going to step up the next four weeks. That's not bad. I, along those same lines, my prediction in the next four weeks is that a team that it's actually a team that you don't think should be here will continue to be here, and that's the 49ers. They run the ball. They play good defense. Their quarterback play has been a little inconsistent, but at this point in the league, it's like I complained about with the Falcons earlier. They've got great defensive line play. That could take you far. They're in a tough division, but looking at their schedule over the next four weeks, it's very manageable. They play the Rams next week, which will be a big kind of test for them after two weeks after their bye week. 
I think the 49ers will look like a legit playoff team come our next podcast. And they're on Monday Night Football to to show the world how good they are. I think the 49ers suck. Love Shanahan, but I, I hate don't... Hate Shanahan. <laughs> love their team and love their makeup. <laughs> um, so what's your prediction for the next four weeks fantasy-wise? So I'm going to go player-wise. A guy we haven't talked about who's only looked okay these first four weeks, DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to pick it up back to wide receiver one status. If you look at his schedule in the next four weeks... Yeah, he's, he's got, got the Falcons. He's got the Falcons. <laughs> he's got the Falcons right there, so he'll bump up that week. He's got the Chiefs. They also play the Colts, who have a bad secondary. You're going to be happy about your DeAndre Hopkins picks after four weeks by our next podcast. Hold on, DeAndre Hopkins. Don't sell. Um, my fantasy prediction, it's another first-rounder. Uh, run CMC, Christian McCaffrey. I think no matter how bad the Panthers' defense is or their quarterback issues with scam or whatnot. I think the rest of the season, he cements himself um, as the number one fantasy overall player going forward. Not just this year, but I think next year, when you're thinking between him, Saquon, Zeke, or a new player, I think it's going to be McCaffrey for the next two You just talked about 10 minutes about how much you love the Giants, how you love their weapons, and you're going to throw Saquon away? Oh, man. Come on, man. Saquon can just be the two-pick, but nah. I like, love Christian McCaffrey, but I mean, that man is ridiculous. It's, no one should come back from a high ankle strain after four... He's he literally back two weeks. Oh, he'll be back. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed the second show. Uh, good luck the next four weeks. R-E-L-A-X, relax. Things will be okay, and if not... There's always next year. There's always next year. <laughs> See you guys.